This message by Pastor Eric Ludy was given at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. As a ministry, we desire to see the return of strong, triumphant Christianity in the church today. We make these messages available free of charge for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ and igniting bold faith in the hearts of believers around the world. The ministry of Ellerslie is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you have been personally impacted by Ellerslie's messages, please consider partnering with us as we build world changers for Jesus Christ through gospel-centered discipleship. Visit ellerslie.com to learn more. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludy. The title might not make a lot of sense at first, but uh, for the students this past week, it'll have a, a little meaning. Uh, an oatmeal day, a study in the anatomy of thanksgiving. An oatmeal day, uh, the reason it sort of came up this week is uh, Daddy was uh, celebrating an oatmeal day with uh, a couple of my kids this week. And an oatmeal day is a very specific form of training uh, in the Ludi house, we'll put it that way. Where, and I'll explain what it is, but what it's meant for is to actually trigger appreciation. See, when all you have is oatmeal that doesn't have any sweetener in it all day long, you have a tendency to appreciate what you complained about before. Uh, And so as a result, it's an exercise. And it's an exercise as I was going through it, because I I was asked about it a couple times this week. As a result, I was explaining what it was, and it's all about generating thanksgiving, appreciation for the things that oftentimes we take for granted. So all of us, here's what my encouragement is. I think all of us could use an oatmeal day. Let's just put it that way. All of us could use whatever training this is that generates a gratitude in our soul that oftentimes lies dormant. Do you remember, some of you may not have been around. It seems impossible that you weren't. But uh, September 11th, was, what year was that when the, uh, when the two, ta- when the, Twin Towers fell. 2001? Yeah, so, I mean, some of you might not have been around. And when that happened, it was interesting, the wave that entered into our country of thankfulness. I mean, it was horror, yes, but thankfulness that we had family that was alive. It was a very interesting thing. There was so much destruction in one singular day, and it it sent a jolt through our country, and people started praying And people started thanking God. They wanted to get around their family and just cherish their family. And how often we are so near things that are such a gift, and yet we don't cherish them until some tragedy occurs. And what I would say is there needs to be an exercise in life where we don't need tragedy to generate thanksgiving. We could just have an oatmeal day. And so that's what this is. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In every single circumstance in life, there is a proper response that you are to have. What's your position? In Christ. So if you're in Christ, by faith, you have entered into what we could call the will of God. God has a very specific purpose for you. And so many of us are confused. Like, what am I supposed to do? What is God's will for me? Well, let's, let's look at it. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now... If you know this scripture in Thessalonians, you know that before that it says rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. However, I'm just cutting to the chase here. This is what I'm talking about today. I'm saying in every circumstance, now I know many of us have some exceptions to that. It's like, well, in this circumstance, you really can't give thanks. 
And I'm saying the Bible makes it very clear that the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you is to give thanks in every situation. So an oatmeal day, a day set aside to reflect upon the loveliness of the Christ life. I don't know that my kids necessarily would define it that way. They would call it, call it a day of difficulty. And yet, that, this is what it is. A day of difficulty. Discipline, by its very nature, doesn't feel good. Many of you that have ever had it uh, brought to you or have delivered it, it's not fun for the person receiving it, nor is it fun for the person giving it. It's a dimension of life that is sort of oatmealish, And yet the, the benefits of it are so grand when it's ministered properly in the love of Jesus, and it's received properly. But it actually is. An oatmeal day is a day set aside to reflect upon the loveliness of the Christ life. Here's how it works. You only eat oatmeal, unsweetened in all its boring glory, all day long. For example, oatmeal breakfast, oatmeal midday snack, oatmeal lunch, oatmeal afternoon meal, oatmeal dinner, and if you can stomach it, oatmeal bedtime treat. Right around that time of dinner to bedtime treat, a crying out begins to take place. It's very interesting. But there is a movement in the soul of agony and pleading, what must I do to be saved? (laughs) It's incredible. I mean, the effect of an oatmeal day is really fascinating. Some of the kids in here are like, I wish my parents weren't hearing this right now. (laughs) In fasting from the typical taste and savor of life, this is ironically a fast, okay? This is a form of removing something that you take for granted. In fasting from the typical taste and savor of life, the notion is to cherish those good things which you have already been given in life and stop begrudging that which you haven't yet grasped. Every time you feel a craving for pleasure, the idea is to give thanks for what you do possess. So when you are going through an oatmeal day and you have this longing for pleasure, why don't you begin to thank God for what you have instead of what you don't have? Because when you're going through an oatmeal day, what you tend to focus on is the fact that this food stinks and you fail to realize oatmeal is really good for you. You ever thought that? Most of us don't like that thought. That's like a mom thought. But oatmeal is very good for you. But can't we stick some sweetener on it? You know, see... Sugar, and that's bad for you, but you can stick like this healthy stuff, like Leslie has coconut sugar. You can stick that on, can't you? At least a little of that, because it's not unhealthy, is it? However, if you stick it on, you lose the benefit of the oatmeal day. So it's to cause you to reflect upon what you do have, and every day you've had it, and you haven't ever said thank you for it. So it's exercising all day long the gratitude muscle in your soul. Did you know that you have a gratitude muscle? It's sort of like telling someone that they have uh, six muscles in their abdominal region, and it's called the six-pack. And someone's like, really? I have six muscles down there? They've never seen them. And that's sort of like, that's sort of like the gratitude muscle. I'm telling you, oh, yeah, have you ever exercised your gratitude muscle? And you're like, what? What, where's that? It's like, well, it's somewhere in here. It's somewhere in here. It's, it's like a coordination of seeing life and seeing every circumstance and actually choosing deep down in here and agreeing in your mind with it and literally uh, taking this tongue in between and declaring, thank you, Lord. The anatomy of thanksgiving. So we're going to go back to the Old Testament and we're going to build our word. The fun thing about the Hebrew language is every Hebrew word comes from a root three-letter verb. And so it's an action language. Everything in the Hebrew language comes from an action. So when you know the base action of the concept, you know a lot about the word. So with Thanksgiving, I want to give you the the root action. So when you are offering Thanksgiving in the Old Testament, you are doing this, yada. 
And uh, so this is our root verb. So let's look at what it means. This is one of those interesting words that in a language, and there's multiple like this in the Hebrew language, where it means two completely opposite things simultaneously. And you could use it either way. We have the word raise uh, in the English language, which is spelled a little different in the two different uses, but it's sort of like this. Raise could mean to raise something up and to lift it up. It could also mean to tear something down. And so it's very similar to this, where this is to lift up, yet also to throw down. Uh, those seem to contradict. Well, I didn't invent the word, okay? This is what it means, and in the Hebrew, it actually has what we could call a double meaning or a double etymology depending on the way it's being used because you actually do these things simultaneously. I'll explain this in a second. To lift praise, to throw down error. To lift hands in worship, to throw down all that would stand in the way. I remember when I was growing up in the church, people would raise hands when they were singing, And I just felt so awkward at the thought. You know, if I were to do that, I would just feel weird. And you know how you become so self-conscious in worship? It's funny how many of us spend, oh, 80% of the time we're worshiping, thinking about ourselves and what we look like, what we sound like, instead of who we're singing to. It's a weird phenomenon. If we could just erase ourselves from our thinking, just imagine how pure our worship could be. But in the process, we have a tendency to think about body position, what it looks like, what everyone around us would be thinking, do they like my hand position? And so as a result, it's just like, you know what, I'm not going to lift these hands because there's too much to it. And yet, I remember this one, I was in missionary training school, and this one person walks across the room in the middle of worship, and they whisper in my ear, and they say, I I really feel that God is wanting you to know something. I'm like, well, really? That he just wants you to lift your hands to him. Really? And they, they just walk up. I didn't even know who the person was. And so I'm standing there. Now I'm feeling like extra pressure because now all heaven is leaning and going, so what are you going to do? And I remember for the first time in my life, I, well, it was probably like this, okay, when I started. It was like this. It was a huge deal to me when I just lifted my hands. But ironically, this word means that. It actually means to lift. And you'll notice when it goes into the word thanksgiving, the idea of lifting hands is actually the base concept of thanksgiving. Okay, so to lift hands in worship, to throw down all that would stand in the way. So you have something that stands in the way. What you do in raising your hands is you have to throw down that which is inhibiting you. And that's actually the concept of to lift up. You have to put away and throw down that which is hindering you from lifting up. To lift up a sacrifice to throw down all hesitation. When you have, imagine that you have $5 to your name, and God says, could you give that? And so yada means to give it, to lift it up and say, God, it's yours. It's a sacrifice. But what's hindering you? This is my last $5. This is all I have. You need to throw down that which is hindering you from offering up that $5. You follow? This is actually part of this idea. To lift up one's voice to throw down all reticence. Have you ever had it where you know God wants you to speak something? And you need to lift your voice is actually what the term is. Lift your voice. Confess it. Speak it out. And what's hindering you? You don't want to look like a fool. I mean, you're going to be an idiot. But you literally throw that down and lift up your voice. Well, there's our word. So I'm going to introduce you to two different yadas. Okay, now these are made up words. All right? There's to lift up, I'm going to call it Yada, yay! Okay, and that's lifting up. And then this is throwing down. Yada, boo! Okay, so you guys can participate with me in this. Let's do our first one. Yada, yay! 
Yada, boo. So one is to lift up, one is to throw down, okay? And so you're going to notice throughout Scripture, this idea of lifting up and throwing down is extremely important. Of course, I always want your mind to go to the cross. Always go to the center of what everything pertains to. What Jesus fulfills and what took place on that tree is all about yada yaying and yada booing. So here's the word that comes out of yada. I know it may not look like it at first, but it's tada. Okay, so it actually flows out of it, and it is a noun. So you take yada, and then you build it into this word, and you end up with tada. So it basically means in its most simple sense, and this is the word typically translated as thanksgiving throughout the entire Old Testament. And it's a noun, it's a concept. Most of us, when we think of thanksgiving, think of an action. When in actuality, it's what you are yadaing. So you're yadaying something. What you yadaed, what you lifted up, like that $5 or your hands, that's actually the thanksgiving. It's the offering itself. So the hands lifted up toward heaven. That's actually one of the most root understandings of it. It's hands lifted. It's extended. The praise lifted up to God. So the praise itself is the thanksgiving. The worship lifted up to Jehovah. The sacrifice offered up in love. You ever seen the priests as they they raise up the sacrifice? The confession offered up in humility. That That humble offering of confession of sin is actually lifting the voice to agree with God. And that is... Thanksgiving. I know it doesn't sound like Thanksgiving to confess your sin, but it actually is the offering known as the Tauda. And the voice lifted up in Thanksgiving, the praise to say thank you. The way we would typically understand it is thank you, Lord, for what you've done. That makes sense to us. But all the rest don't necessarily say Thanksgiving to us. And yet this is actually the Hebrew idea of Thanksgiving. So the hands, the praise, the worship, the sacrifice, the confession, the voice, all lifted up. This is what we are to offer unto God. These are the tauda. And tauda are meant to be yadayed. So all of these things are meant to be lifted up. So let's say that again. Yada, yay. And anything that stands against this tauda being lifted up is supposed to be yada bud. So if there is any hindrance from any of these things being lifted up, your hands, your praise, your worship, your sacrifices, your confession, your voice, then in your very offering of thanksgiving, you throw those down. That's actually part of thanksgiving. If you really want to offer thanksgiving to God, then anything that is holding you back from giving God what he is due, throw it down. Yada boo it. So that you can properly yada yay. Introducing tauda giving. Now, when you hear the word thanksgiving, like I said, most of us, we say, oh, give thanksgiving to Jesus. And that means to go out and do some thanksgiving. It's an action to us, when in actuality, it's typically understood as a noun. It's what you are giving. And so tauda giving is what would be thanksgiving. It's a.k.a. also known as thanksgiving. That which you give to God when you yada yay. So thanksgiving. Yada yaying. Oh, we need to say that together because it's a fun word. Yada yaying. Up to God that which he deserves. And yada booing. Anything that stands in the way. So that, in essence, is the practice of thanksgiving. What does God deserve? Give it to him. 
And when you lift it up to him, whether it's your voice in praise, in worship, your hands, you are saying you are deserving of this. However, all of us that live in these bodies know that there's a lot of reticence and hindrance to doing those things. I mean, we could look like an idiot. The world could reject us. We could lose all we have. And when you do some of these things, I mean, in this world, this is not a good idea. Now, in here, it's even hard. When you're around other people that are like, yeah, why don't you lift up your hands? It's still hard. In fact, I really don't like it when other people tell me to lift up my hands. You ever had that? Like, I'm not going to do that to you. Like, okay, we're all going to sing a song. I want you all to lift up your hands. Because for whatever reason, it's hard. I don't like it when someone tells me I can do it. It's like a free will offering. Here's what's interesting. The very essence of thanksgiving is a free will offering, which means it's a choice of yours to make. And it's a very specific type of offering. So the history of yada yayim, or of lifting up. The peace offering, as described in Leviticus 7, 11 through 13. Leviticus 7 goes through, I think it's around eight different offerings. And in Leviticus 7, 11 through 13, we understand something known as the peace offering. Now here's what I want you to do as I go through this. I want you to remember Jesus. I want you to remember the cross, because he is the fulfillment of the peace offering. The sacrifice of thanksgiving is what it's understood as. Okay, so the peace offering is a sacrifice of lifting up, but it's a very specific thing. The sacrifice of Tauda, or the voluntary lifting up of a free will gift to Jehovah. This isn't a mandatory gift. This is a free will gift. Why would anyone ever give a free will gift? A free will gift is a lot more meaningful than something that is mandatory and arm twisted. You will give that. Instead, this is something that initiates out of love and gratitude, which is where the idea of thanksgiving comes from. If you truly have been blessed, what do you want to give? You want to give a free will offering in response. If you truly see it, then what is initiated in you is a desire to lift up that which you have to the one who deserves it. So it's the voluntary lifting up of a free will gift to Jehovah, often understood as an offering of friendship, of thanks, of praise, of worship, of love. To be accompanied, listen to this, this is amazing, to be accompanied with unleavened bread. Now, some of you are like, that doesn't sound that amazing to me. It's accompanied, this particular gift is accompanied with a very specific thing, and that is unleavened bread. See, some of you are still like, I, yeah, I, I heard you twice. I, it still doesn't sound that amazing to me. Which is, unleavened bread is bread without yeast. So it's pure bread without the presence of yeast. Some of you are like, still, you know, I'm still not that impressed, Eric. For those of us who understand the new covenant, it's a pure body without the presence of sin. Still, you know, I know, you might be thinking, okay, that's Jesus, but what, why does this free will offering have to be given up with unleavened bread? When you give your free will offering, when you give your tauda, when you give your thanksgiving, when you lift up your hand, you do it with unleavened bread. I know, but just hang in there, okay? If you're not impressed yet, we'll start building, and I think it may come. And when you offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, when you offer up a sacrifice of tauda, when you lift up your voice, when you lift up your worship, when you lift up your praise, when you lift up your sacrifice before God, out of your free will, offer it of your own free will. So this is a very important dimension to this offering of, of thanksgiving. So that's the history of yada yayin, okay, of lifting up. And we'll go into that at a, at a greater level. The history of yada booing. All throughout the scripture, there is a throwing down of that which hinders. So Israel 
is being invaded by enemy forces, by false gods. And so at various points, to be able to properly worship God and to lift up our sacrifice to him, we need to first throw down the altars of false gods. And Aaron shall lay both, ha- both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel. Now in that, you may not see it, but the word confess there actually is yada, and in this case, yada boo. Okay, since that's not a Hebrew word, that's an Eric word. But for our sake, that you understand this is how it's being used. What he is doing, Aaron is laying both his hands, and he's the high priest of Israel. The high priest, which is, again, to remind us of Jesus, he's putting both his hands on the goat, and he's throwing down all the sin of Israel upon it. He is casting all the sin of a nation upon a goat, which is where the term scapegoat comes from. So, and he's going to yada boo over all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send them away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And so what we have is an incredible picture of the cross way back here in Leviticus 16 because Jesus is going to literally at that cross, he is going to be lifted up. Okay, that's part of it, but he's also going to throw down and that imputing or that uh, imparting, that throwing down of the powers of darkness, all is going to come upon his head. And though his body is laid in a grave and cast down, there is something that is in the lifting up is going to provide such a triumph and is such a thanksgiving, a peace offering is going to be given. So this is in the reign of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah sends out men to break the images in pieces and cut down the groves and throw down the high places and the altars out of all Judah and Benjamin, in Ephraim also and Manasseh until they had utterly destroyed them all. And of course, you remember Josiah did the exact same thing. He threw down high places. So this is that which is hindering the proper worship in Israel, or in this case, Judah. And he, Jehu, said, throw her down. Speaking of Jezebel, Jezebel's in this high tower. And who's standing against the free offering of worship in Israel? Jezebel. And so what does Jehu say? Throw her down. So they threw her down and he tread her underfoot. That which stands against Jehovah must be thrown down. That which establishes God's glory needs to be lifted up. So in the New Testament, of course, we're switching languages. We just get a different way of saying it. But the word is pale, which is typically translated as an athletic wrestling maneuver. And it actually means to wrestle or to throw down the opponent. So we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But we do wrestle. We're wrestling against principalities and powers of another realm, a dark realm. And we must throw them down. So we are wrestling to throw down something. Isn't that interesting? We're yada-ing, yada-booing in this case. And hold him in such a fashion that he cannot rise again. For we pale, or wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So the divine sacrifice of Tauda. So Jesus comes to this earth, God in the flesh. And he makes a free will offering, and it is a peace offering, a Tauda offering. And interestingly enough, there is a feast known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. You guys ever heard of that? The Feast of Unleavened Bread. Also known as, brace yourselves, 
Passover. Passover is also known as the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now think about what I've already taught you when I say, when you offer up this thanksgiving, this tauta offering, this sacrifice, where you lift up that out of your own free will, you say, you are deserving. It is to be offered with unleavened bread. To bring us to this understanding of what this day means. This is Passover day around 2,000 years ago. And a man named Jesus, on that very day where the Feast of Unleavened Bread is in, in, in its movement, you have the key day, the key Sabbath of it, the key feast day of Passover and the divine sacrifice of Tauda, Thanksgiving. Now the Feast of Unleavened Bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surnamed Iscariot, who was numbered among the twelve. Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. Isn't that interesting? That this Passover must be killed on the day of unleavened bread. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat. When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and said, Take this and divide it amongst yourself. So I'm going to mark that word, give thanks, and I'm going to come back to it in the Greek so that you can understand it in a deeper way. And he took the bread and gave thanks. Okay, so you notice that what is taking place in this meal is that Jesus has done one thing twice. First of all, it's Passover. It is that which is on the day and the feast of unleavened bread, which is very specific to what we understood in Leviticus in regards to this peace offering. And he's giving thanks, and he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood which is shed for you. So in the Greek... The word for giving thanks is eucharisto, to offer up thanksgiving. Now, for those of you that have been around any religious circles in Christianity, that's going to trigger a memory with you. It's not a normal word in the English language, but it is a word in certain Christian circles, and it is eucharist. The eucharist, still to this day, is historically understood as the Christian ceremony commemorating the Last Supper. So, what we are taking today is the Christian ceremony commemorating the Last Supper, in which bread and wine are consecrated and consumed. So that's typically known as the Eucharist. But ironically, the Greek word, Eucharisto, actually doesn't mean a meal in which you take of elements. It means lifting up. It means giving thanks. That's actually what it means. So this is the meal of giving thanks, if you really want to say it that way. Eucharist. So here's our definition for it today. The yada yain of the body of Christ. Now the reason I said it that way is because what Jesus is about to do is be lifted up. That's what he's preparing us for. He's about to be lifted up. Do you know what you were described as in the new covenant? When you believe in Jesus... You are entering into the person of Jesus and into his work. And therefore, you become, by definition, the body of Christ. And so what we have in this is the offering up of a free will offering. 
When we take of this meal, we're typically remembering what he did in being offered up, but what we fail to oftentimes remember is that this is a giving of thanks, which means it's an offering up of ourselves in proper response to when he offered himself up to us. So the Eucharist, by our definition today, is the yada yain of the body of Christ, the offering up of the sacrifice of tauda, the offering up of the sacrifice of thanksgiving, that we literally lift ourselves up and say, we belong to you, Lord Jesus. Just as you lifted yourself up for us, now I offer myself as a free will offering. My body and my blood are yours. Giving everything to the one who gave us everything. The cross of Jesus, the ultimate thanksgiving offering. The divine foreshadow of the great yada yay. So before we get to the cross, there's so many pictures in the Old Testament that are preparing us to understand the lifting up of the free will offering. Now most of us, when we look at the cross, we see a suffering man. It's not inaccurate, it is. But what we don't oftentimes see is the arms lifted to lift up a sacrifice unto Jehovah. That a pleasing sacrifice is being offered of one's own free will and it's a raising of the hands. When we think of a raising of the hands, we think more like this, but we might want to think. Because when Jesus lifted up his, his arms, he was giving up his life. The divine foreshadow of the great yada yay. Now many people, a very great assembly, gathered at Jerusalem to keep the feast of unleavened bread in the second month. Huh, here we are, that's that same feast, the same day Jesus died. Note, they were going to do some serious yada yain. They arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. So before they started doing their yada yain and offering their sacrifices of thanksgiving, you know what they did first? They took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And they took away all the incense altars and cast them into the brook Kidron. Note, but before the yada yain could take place, they had to do some serious yada booing. Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month. This is a foreshadow. This is literally a picture. You want to enter into that feast properly. You want to enter into thanksgiving properly and offer that free will offering. Yada boo! Everything in your life that would hinder so that you can properly yada yay. But what we see is the fulfillment of this more importantly in Jesus Christ. The cross, the great yada yay, the lifting up of Jesus, the lifting up of the sacrifice, the lifting up of the righteous one. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And if I, says Jesus, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This is the great yada yay. This is the offering, the free will offering, lifted up unto God. Here you go, God. Here you go, Father. Here is my life in their place. I will become the scapegoat. And all of that yada booing came down on his head. He carried it all. He became a curse for us. He became the great scapegoat for our sin. And all the iniquity of the land was placed upon that one. The cross, it's also the great yada boo. The throwing down of the devil. The throwing down of the old man. The throwing down of sin. You see, you want 
to be able to function in this Christianity, but there's an impediment in you, and that is that you were ruled by the devil, the old man in sin. And so as a result, Jesus came, and he gave a thanksgiving offering, a peace offering. And in so doing, on our behalf, threw down our great enemy. In lifting himself up in a thanksgiving offering, he threw down our nemesis, enabling us to now properly give a thanksgiving offering with our life. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be Yadabud. That's what, it's, that's what it sort of says. Yada boo is my word. Yada is the Hebrew, and this is Greek. So it doesn't say it exactly, but that's what it says. Our old man was crucified with him. Our old man was yada booed. That the body of sin might be yada booed. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. All this slavery to sin is yada booed. Our slave master is dealt with and thrown down. This is the work of the cross. So it's an amazing thing that here in this word yada, this action, that truly means to lift up and throw down simultaneously, which seems really strange at first. And you look at the cross and what you see is the lifting up and the throwing down in the same movement. When he is lifted up, he throws down. And in so doing, he brings us salvation. He has taken the handwriting of requirements that was against us and contrary to us out of the way. He has taken that judgment of law that is written against us and he's thrown it down. Having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In all his weakness. You see, most of us don't realize the power of thanksgiving. But when you begin to associate that work on the cross with thanksgiving, and you begin to realize that when Jesus offered up his life, what did it do to the devil? It absolutely devastated him. So have you ever heard the statements, you know, that we, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds? And then the next question that is really a good question, what are our weapons? Because we have weapons of warfare, but what are they? I think it was this last week I was telling the students, one of them is rejoicing. That when the enemy comes against you with suffering and persecution, you go upward and you rejoice. It's the word in the Greek is agaleio. You leap. And it devastates the enemy. But here's another one. That you, out of your own free will, in seeing what he has done for you, offer up your life as a thanksgiving offering. When you give thanks, when you stretch out your arms and you bear your cross out of a free will, not out of a mandate, not out of a twisted arm, but saying, this is what you deserve, Lord. Take my life and let it be consecrated unto thee. That is a weapon of warfare that tears down the powers of the enemy in this world. The thanksgiving offering is powerful stuff. So how does this apply to us? After all, we certainly can't do better than his sacrifice of Tauda. Could you imagine? He's like giving the perfect thanksgiving offering. And then we come up and we're like drawing little pictures that our parents stick on the fridge. You know, they're not that good. But he like is this Rembrandt painting. And then we come in and we're like this little scribble. Well, the first thing that we need to understand is his sacrifice of thanksgiving was perfect. And it was satisfying. And it is actually what pleases God. And it is actually the very thing that tears down the devil. What we are meant to do is forsake our life and repent 
and enter into his work, his offering of thanksgiving so that we can share in it. You see, our offering of thanksgiving isn't very good compared to his. But our offering of thanksgiving, if we want to say small t instead of big T or capital T, our little small tauta offering is to give him all we are. This little life. It's not much, but it's our offering. And when we give it and we place it in Jesus Christ, then it is pleasing to God because God is seeing us in the offering, the peace offering of Jesus. And he is receiving our little offering in light of God's great offering. And it comes before his throne as a great offering. It's a great offering. Introducing the Thanksgiving choir. You know that in the Old Testament, there's actually something known as the Thanksgiving choir? I know, rather odd. Uh, this is our job. We're part of the Thanksgiving choir. That's, you know, we should start calling our church the Thanksgiving choir. Uh, instead of the church at Ellerslie, it's like Thanksgiving choir. No one comes. Everyone's like, that's weird. <laughs> now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, so this is in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is building the wall. They sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and think- singing, with cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. So I, speaking, Nehemiah speaking, brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. You guys, you're a thanksgiving choir. What's their job? To lift their hands in praise and proper response. Look what God did. He has fortified us in 52 days. We literally built a wall around this entire city. There's no explanation for it. Even with enemy forces coming against us, somehow, way, he did it. All right, Thanksgiving choirs, get into position. Everyone lifts up their voice. Everyone lifts up their hearts. Everyone lifts up their life. And now you guys over here start offering the sacrifices. Let's lift this up unto God. This is what he deserves. So the church, that's the Thanksgiving choir, also known as the large company of yada yayers. We are the large company of those that lift up Jesus. We are the large company of those that lift up our voice. We are the large company of those that offer up our sacrifice. Our bodies, a living sacrifice. We are the large company that offer up worship unto God. We are the large company that lift up his name. So who are we? We are those that see the cross. So we see the sacrificial offering. We see the thanksgiving offering of Jesus. You see it. And you lift up your life as a sacrifice of thanksgiving in proper response. In light of what you have done, Lord Jesus, here I am. Here I am. Take me. And in so doing, we share in the grand work of that amazing sacrifice. So I'll give you a quick elementary lesson of how the gospel works. There's always two in the Bible. There's a first man, and there's a second man. The first man... Adam, for instance, he's known as the old man. All of us are born in Adam. All of us are from Adam. All of us can trace our descendancy back to Adam. And when Adam sinned, we were in him. You have to understand genetics to really appreciate that. However, when he sinned, we were in him. So therefore, one man sinned and all sinned. We share in his judgment and his due condemnation. And as long as we remain in this life, We're under condemnation and judgment will be eternally separated from God. But Jesus comes down. He's known as the second man. And he comes 
and gives a peace offering. He throws down the devil and lifts up his own life as a sacrifice. And what Jesus says to us is, put off your old man. I've destroyed it. I've thrown it down. You're free from it. And now by faith, step into my work and share in it. Because Jesus can offer us a new life. It's called the second birth or being born again. So that no longer are we from Adam, but now we are from Jesus. And so, as a result, when we lift up our lives as a sacrifice unto him, and we give our lives to him, we enter into his work. And when he was on that cross, we share in that throwing down of the old man. Just like when we were in Adam, we participated in that sin. Now we participate in the triumph, in the lifting up of the sacrifice, the perfect, pleasing, atoning sacrifice. We also share in the throwing down of the devil. Therefore, we share in his offering. And now we receive the powerful yada yay of Jesus inside of us. You know what that means? The ability to lift up praise. You know all that that hinders? The power of Jesus to say, I'll even go to the cross for you, Father. That, that's what we all need. We need that sort of mustard in our soul. That sort of equipment to be able to say, here you go, Lord. And when you give your life to Jesus by faith, now he gives you his Holy Spirit to live inside of you so that you can properly yada yay. You can properly lift up your life, lift up your voice, lift up your worship, lift up your praise. In order that we, they, speaking of us, might yada yay always in every situation from then on for all eternity. In everything, give thanks. Now I added my own little Ludi Hebrew word in here so that you can appreciate. This is in the Greek uh, in Thessalonians. That's in the New Testament. But we're going to add a little Ludi Hebrew, which is a funny version of Hebrew, but a, it is a fun version of Hebrew. Not just funny, but it's fun. In everything, yada yay. In every situation, lift your praises, lift your voice, lift your hands. In every situation, lift your sacrifice saying, God, I belong to you. You deserve me. The circumstances could be dark. You could be out of money. You could be suffering physically. You could be in a prison cell. And yet, in every circumstance, in every situation, yada yay. The apostles sang songs in prison cells. They leaped for joy when falsely accused and persecuted. They were yada yay, lifting their voice, lifting their body even off the ground with a leap. Let's yada yay like that. The church... We're also the large company of yada booers. In other words, it's a good thing to yada boo. Did you know that? It's not a bad thing. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing, into, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You see, we know how to yada yay by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we also know how to throw down that which the devil wants to work against us. Thanksgiving is more than lifting up thanks. See, when we think of giving Thanksgiving, like when we practice Thanksgiving in my family, we typically are going around and we're sharing all the things that we appreciate about Jesus and what he's done in our life. It's a wonderful exercise. However, yada yain or Thanksgiving is more than just verbally saying, I appreciate what God did. That's good, but it's not the fullest picture of what giving thanks is. It's lifting up all that he is worthy to receive. That's what thanksgiving is. 
So what is he worthy of? And that's the question. So that begs the question, what is he worthy to receive? So if thanksgiving is giving Jesus that which he's worthy to receive, what is he worthy to receive? He has given up everything for us that we might live. What is he worthy of? Hmm. Well, there's your answer. He deserves everything. I know, it's a lot. But what does he give you? Everything. What's more valuable, your everything or his everything? I'd say his. I'd vote on his. So you're giving up a little diddly squat pile of pebbles, and you're receiving the kingdom of heaven as an inheritance. I think even logically speaking, it's a pretty wise thing to do some yada yain and some yada booing, to actually agree with God and say, God, here I am. He deserves everything. Do you not know, says Paul, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have from God and you are not your own? You see, you were bought. You were bought with the price of his shed blood. So what is he deserving of? That which he owns, that which he possesses, that which he purchased. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. God, here I am. I offer this up as a thanksgiving offering, a sacrifice of thanksgiving. You are deserving of it. This is a therefore statement. In light of what God has done, it is only reasonable that you would give him what he deserves. It's only reasonable. That that is the very word that's going to be used here. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. The word for reasonable in the Greek should look somewhat familiar to you. Logikos. Uh huh. That's where the word logical comes from. This is actually the logical service that we would have in light of what he's done. If he really has done this and you believe it, what do you do? You offer up as a free will offering your body as a living sacrifice unto him to say, God, do whatever you want with this. I receive your body and your blood and I cherish the gift that you've given me, but in exchange, I give you my body and my blood for you to spend as you see fit. That's thanksgiving. That's proper thanksgiving. I'm not to diminish the fact that I think every single one of us should be thanking God for every small thing that is taking place in our life. That's what an oatmeal day does. Some of us might need a fresh reminder of how good life is in knowing Jesus Christ. Because some of us have been grumbling lately. We've had some difficulties thrown our way, some things that we didn't expect. We've had some hardships. We've even been grumbling about it, going, God, I can't handle anymore. And yet the whole while, you've had God. The whole while, you've had grace. The whole while, you've had the gospel truth that people all over this world do not have. You have something, so maybe you need an oatmeal day. So you finally get to the dinner, you know, the bedtime snack time, and you're so sick and tired of the fact that you took advantage and you took for granted that which you had. God, I want to start giving you thanks again. I can't believe how low I treated these gifts of grace that you've given me. Now, I've, I've had moments in my life, very, it's been a, I can even count them, where the grace of God is lifted from me for a few minutes. I remember one time I was, I was on the phone, I was just pacing in front of a, a glass a window, and I, was, I don't know if it was a radio interview or what I was on, but I remember I was on the phone, and it was like I felt grace remove. I was like, what, what? And I felt like an ordinary human. 
What's weird is I would have thought I was an ordinary human until that moment. Then I realized I'm not an ordinary human. I'm a human that is filled with the grace of God and enabled by the grace of God. And so God, the reason he did it, I've even, I even told some people in my life, I know why he did it, to remind me of what I had. That I can easily take for granted the fact that I have something that others don't have. Simply because I know Jesus. Oh, guess how much I cherish that grace after that. Oh God, please, please don't do that to me again. It's a nakedness of soul, a vulnerability to every temptation around you. Whereas when you walk in grace, you recognize that you have a strength to overcome and to throw down the devil. You're not intimidated by his bluster and his boasting. There's a confidence going on his faith that resides in you. A shield that repels every fiery dart. Boy, we all have that. So whatever difficulty you've been dealing with, I say, it's time to do some yada yay. Let's offer up a sacrifice today. We hope you have enjoyed this message by Pastor Eric Looney, delivered at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without expressed written permission. For more information about us or to help support the ministry of Ellerslie, we invite you to visit us at ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. Please know that you are not alone in this battle for truth, and we are cheering you on down the narrow way of the cross.